Welcome to Stony Brook. It is a good day to be in worship together. Our choir is back, yay! I am Pastor Jennifer Casey, and it is a joy to be in worship with you today. I bring you greetings uh, from Pastor David Hoffman and Pastor Bob Thomas. And um, as we begin our time together, I'd like to remind you that you can find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Uh, this connection card is a place for you to register your attendance, share any joys or concerns that you would like to share with the congregation or the church staff, and also a place to register your interest in upcoming classes and events that Stony Brook will be having. So I invite you to take a look at that. If you are worshiping in here, you can drop that in the basket on the way out. Now, we have a slight change. If you were planning on coming to this Wednesday's Primetimer event, this week, it's actually, uh, it was a lunch and learn with Pastor David being our featured speaker. Uh, it's been changed to just a learn. <laughs> so we're not gonna be sharing a meal together. We are uh, responding to the rising COVID numbers and want to make sure that we keep everybody safe. So if you were planning on attending, we invite you to, uh, to still show up at 1130, uh, but we won't be sharing a meal together. And please uh, wear your mask and come enjoy listening to Pastor David as he shares about how his um, life experiences have helped shape his ministry. It's not too late to join one of the fall Bible study classes on Mark. You will find the information on that on the back of your connection card or in your bulletin packet or online. We're offering three different classes, a Tuesday night class, and then two classes on Thursday, a Thursday morning and a Thursday evening class. So if you are interested in that, I invite you to go ahead and sign up and we'll get you all registered and taken care of. Next Sunday, September 19th, Stony Brook is offering a Financial Peace University class. This class is designed to help you um, develop a budget, pay off debt, save for your future, all those things related to finance. So uh, you are invited to join that. We're going to have, uh, you can either do it in person or on Zoom. We're making accommodations for whatever your level of comfort. You can find more information in your, uh, in your bulletin or online about that or see Greg Subasak with questions. And then if you have a, a youth, a fourth through 12th grader in your household or know of one, just a reminder that next Sunday afternoon, uh, their youth afternoon programming will be starting back up. So Jason Sheldon, our newest addition to our staff, our director of youth ministries, is looking forward to this next uh, year with our youth. You can find all of this information and so much more uh, online at stonybrook.church, through your weekly electronic announcements, or in your bulletin packet. At this time, I invite you to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude prepares us for worship.
Will you please rise either in body or in spirit as we are called to worship today. Just as the heavens burst forth in praise to God, we celebrate God's abundant and powerful love. Day by day and night by night, God watches over us, loving and healing us. Come, celebrate with joy the love of God. Open our hearts and spirits, Lord, and teach us your ways. may be seated. Thank you for your gift of music this morning and your leadership this morning. It's great. Uh, it's, 
As we enter our prayer time this day, I make you mindful of the prayer concerns that are listed in your bulletin, and I invite you to take those home, and I invite you to um, have those become a part of your prayer life this week. Let us now pray. Most gracious and holy God, you who have given us the gifts which we know through the moving strains of music, through a smile and a tear, a sigh and a shout, through laughter and weeping, a prayer, silence, the beauty of this day. God, for these gifts and the meaning of them for each of us, know our gratitude and our expressions of praise. This day we pray for your church, sometimes triumphant and present, while at other times seeming to be failing and distant. Sometimes we are together and at one, uniting the variety of parts that we are to include even the smallest into the whole, the whole that transcends our limits and boundaries. At other times, oh God, we are scattered and, and divided, torn and hurting, afraid and self-righteous. Sometimes we are truly serving while at other times we demand and want only to be served. Sometimes, O oh God, we are filled with your Spirit, which enlivens, empowers, and transforms, while at other times we are only a skeleton that settles for what is, afraid and fearful. O oh Holy One, your Spirit catches us and fills us and frees us, Help us to be your church, to appreciate the gifts that we are given and to share them gratefully that there may be a stronger serving, enlivening, empowering, and transforming body in this world, your church. This day we also pray for your world, this one world in which we live, one in which there is abundance and yet limits, one in which there is food and yet hungry people, one in which there is healing and yet hurting, one in which there is war, or where there is peace and yet war. Oh God, we pray for this world which you so love, that you sent us the Christ to believe, to trust, and to follow, that there might be life and freedom forever. And yet at times there is unbelief. Forgive us. Help us truly to believe that by so believing we will hope. And by so hoping we will do what needs to be done until there is enough for all. And oh God, may there be peace on earth. Oh God, you know the particular concerns that lie heaviest in our hearts and minds, and we ask you to receive those this day. We remember those whose lives were changed forever 20 years ago yesterday. We pray for those who are in the relief and recovery and rebuilding stage from all of the natural disasters here in the U.S. and around your world. We pray this day for those in need of healing we pray for those who are suffering loss. 
We pray for those who are struggling with difficult life decisions. And we know, God, that, that you are with them and that you have placed us in their midst, that we might be expressions of love and grace and healing for others. And now, O oh God, listen as we are bold to join our hearts and our voices together, practicing the unity that you would have by praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for that gift. Thank you. Today's scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark, from the 8th chapter, verses 27 through 38. Hear these words. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. Or we'll save it. From what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. thought since this was the kickoff of the, of the fall season that we would do something a little different. We thought that both of us would share in the sermon um, this morning. So hopefully you'll get the best of, of, bo- of both worlds. Um, the eight o'clock service thought it was good, so we're, we're hoping they um, we're hoping they were telling us the truth. <laughs> um, but we thought we would try something a little different, um, like a conversation, and, and you all get to listen in um, to the questions and the ways we have been challenged um, this week. Let me begin with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee. 
a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. I still have this very vivid memory of my first day of my introduction to theology class. I had just sat down in my seat, I had unpacked my bags, when the professor asked us to all stand up. And she says to the class, which is more important, Jesus's humanity or Jesus's divinity? You have to pick one. And if you think it's his humanity, head over there. And if you think it's his divinity, head over there. Now, it seemed like, though I'm sure this wasn't the reality, it seemed like everybody knew exactly what, what they thought was more important about Jesus and immediately made themselves to the sides of the room. And I stood in the very center of that, of that classroom having this mini existential crisis about, who is Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> um, and I just, I had a difficult time choosing it felt wrong to pick one or the other. Up until that point in my life, I realized my image and understanding of Jesus was shaped by what others were telling me Jesus, who Jesus was, not by my own discernment process. And so this started the invitation for me of, who is Jesus? Me walking through my own process of discovering who Jesus was. This past week in our, um, in our staff meeting, you mentioned how you had been wrestling last week with last week's scripture and sermon, and I quickly responded, well, this, ser- this week's scripture has me. And it's, it's because it's this first part of the scripture where, where we hear Jesus asking the disciples, who am I? Who do others say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And the reason that I've been struggling with it, wrestling with it, is because Mark presents a very human Jesus. In Mark's gospel, we see this suffering Messiah all throughout the gospel, one who experiences all the pain of living in a human body, And this is, uh, for many, I know, the part of Jesus that reminds them that God is with them no matter what, through all of their ups and downs in their lives, because God lived and suffered a human life. We know that God does that with us as well. And I know also for many that this gospel is um, complicated and presents some challenges because it invites people to think about Jesus's humanity in a new way. We've, I know you and I have been hearing from people all week long <laughs> about how um, you've been wrestling with the humanity of Jesus. And today's scripture might just add to that. <laughs> Um, And part of the reason is because Jesus' understanding of who he was came from his community. This is hard for us to grasp because for us in our Western way of thinking, we get to introspectively discover who we are and name our identity to some degree. Um, But that's not the way it was for Jesus in his culture. And, And one commentator that I read put it this way. 
It cannot be stressed too strongly that discovering identity is not self-discovery in Mediterranean societies. Identi identity is clarified and confirmed only by significant others. And so then in today's scripture, we see Jesus asking those that are closest to him, well, who is the community saying that I am? Who are you, the people that I love and have spent the most time with? Who are you saying that I am? In other words, are, are you beginning to understand me in the ways that I understand myself? And so we see these worlds kind of um, colliding there. And these are the same kinds of questions that um, you may remember, though it's been a few more years than me, that we wrestled with at ordination. Um, and we had to answer at ordination. And, and, you know, I remember that my answers at the beginning of the ordination process were different than they were at the end of the ordination process because my life and my ministry experiences continued to evolve and expand. And then I would say even today, my answers would be even different, uh, more nuanced and certainly much more depth as I come to understand Jesus um, as I live more life. Um, I know you and I um, share that one of the great privileges of being a pastor is that we are invited into people's lives as they um, are walking through some really hard and tough times, some of their most painful times when they are suffering the most physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And as we know, these past 18 months have brought on a collective worldwide suffering like nothing, at least you and I have ever experienced in our lifetime. And so the question really becomes, how are we, as people who profess to love and follow Jesus, to answer the question, who is Jesus, when there's so much pain and suffering in the world? I, <laughs> we um, agreed that we would ask each other questions uh, to move the conversation along, and that, that's a really good question. <laughs> it's a great question, and it's really relevant to our context, and you know, I'd like to practice my best listening skills and ask you, what do you think? Um, but I know that you would call me, and you're just trying to avoid answering that difficult <laughs> question. So, I mean, it is, you know, it is a relevant question, and I think about, in answering the question, I think back, you know, at... Um, how we look at crisis and tragedy in, in our lives and the lives of others and, and try to make sense of the unexplainable. You know, and even from a, a spiritual perspective, we, are, we tend to ask the question, you know, where is God or how has God been present in this situation? You know, and that often can give us a glimpse of where Jesus is or who Jesus is for us um, as we think about it. You know, for most, most of us, we can identify ways in which individuals or, or as the church as a whole has been Christ-like to us in those deepest and darkest moments, you know, of our lives. And, you know, usually, usually those stories involve ways in which people have given up their time and their energy and resources and attention walking with us, you know, through those times and even helping us to point out mile markers in, in our healing or, or resources that, that sometimes we didn't even know that we, we had. So, um, you know, so I think that's helpful. And I, I can't help but look back at the many witnesses of those um, surrounding the events of, of September 11th, 20 years ago, you know, um, 
the witnesses of, of folks who some literally gave up their own lives, and then the witnesses of the many frontline workers and behind the scene workers today during our current pandemic and, and or one of the many natural disasters that are happening in the US and around the world, you know, how those witnesses of people impacting the lives of others, and again, some literally giving up, up their own lives. Folks coming together for the common good, for something you know, much greater than themselves, giving, them, giving their best um, uh, to others, even in those small, seemingly insignificant ways that people touch our lives or enter our lives um, can help to speak who Jesus is in, into our lives. You know, Jesus says that the disciples are supposed to deny themselves, take up their crosses, and follow. Um, Jesus teaches them that to understand this um, and experience this incredible, life-giving, uh, creative power of God, that they must become servants uh, of others. So uh, I think that's another piece um, that the disciples were struggling with to understand. We're, we're called to get so caught up um, in serving others that we lose a part of ourselves. And this means that sometimes in order to experience life in all of its fullness, we are asked to go in directions that we aren't used to going or probably don't want to go sometimes or face issues that we would not normally like to acknowledge in our lives. One of my favorite illustrations, and hopefully the congregation knows that I, I have an illustration for everything, um, um, one of my favorite illustrations that talks about um, giving up our uh, part of our lives, and, and my daughters are probably rolling their eyes right now, um, <laughs> comes from a book um, when mama makes up her mind and other um, dangers of Southern living. It's a great book. Um, but Bailey White, the author, tells um, the story of the one-eared intellectual. And uh, I'm going to share that with you because it, it, it really illustrates, I think, this point. She's, she writes this. In, in my town, there lives a man with an enormous intellect and only one ear. When I was a little girl, I thought that the two things were connected, that giving up one ear was simply the price that you had to pay to be that smart. <laughs> Later, I learned that he had lost his ear in an automobile accident and had gotten his education in the usual way at Duke University. This sort of goes along with, with um, going back to school, too. So, um, Mr. Harris has a pair of glasses with an artificial ear attached to his temple, and it matches his real ear perfectly, and as long as he keeps his glasses on, everything is fine. And Mr. Harris is not stingy with his knowledge. He loves to teach people things. His hobby is substitute teaching. So about once a month, uh, Bailey uh, White writes, he calls me on the phone and asks, any teacher sick or pregnant at the school? No, I say we're all fine. Mr. Harris's dream is that a teacher will take maternity leave. That would give him about six weeks in the classroom, maybe more if there are complications. And Mr. Harris could teach anything, but he always teaches physics. Doesn't matter if the class is supposed to be English or political science or history or kindergarten or second grade. He walks right in the room and sweeps the teacher's lesson plans off her desk and teaches physics. Mr. Harris has been teaching physics as a substitute teacher for many years, and the people in our town are remarkably knowledgeable in the subject. 
She writes, you could walk up to almost anyone on the street and ask, do you know any physics? <laughs> and the person will get a wild look in his or her eye and, and gasp and recite, yes, momentum is the product of the mass and velocity of a particle, or hard radiation is ionizing radiation with a high degree of penetration, or a watt is the power resulting from the dissipation of one joule of energy in one second. There, you've got some <laughs> physics lessons today. Mr. Harris is a vigorous teacher. He doesn't wander, he doesn't just wander around the classroom with a piece of chalk in his hand and mumbles. He gets excited about physics. He yells, he bangs on the desk, he scribbles wildly on the chalkboard, and, and invariably, in his pedagogical heat, he will forget himself for an instant and whip off his glasses. <laughs> and the ear comes off too, right? And it's an unforgettable moment. Whatever Mr. Harris is saying, when that ear comes off, becomes seared in the memory forever. It's the ultimate audiovisual aid. <laughs> You're never going to forget that illustration, right? But, you know, all kidding aside, just like Mr. Harris, we are called to deny and forget ourselves. We are called to lose our life in order to save it. When was the last time that you got yourself so caught up in something, doing something for others, that you lost your, a part of yourself? And I'm sure that the choir just had that experience, joining their hearts and their voices together for something greater than themselves, right? What a gift and example you have given to us this morning. Thank you. It's, it's great to have you back. And thank you for all who pro provided special music over, over the summer. Uh, we are truly blessed. Thank you very much. But the ways in which we choose to follow and what we choose to give up says, speaks volumes about who Jesus is for us. You know, the, the requirement to deny ourselves, I get it, has been problematic for some, especially in our context when we're so concerned about ourselves um, and the individual survival and, and, and prosperity. In, in, in some cases, you know, taken to extremes, denying self is dangerous. This call to self-denial is also not helpful for the selves who've already been denied by systems of oppression and violence and poverty and discrimination. And this language is not beneficial for those who have suffered denial. It's hard to deny that which has been denied. And, and unfortunately, some have been denied by the church. Also, one more thing. We promised that we would not preach for an hour, although there's a lot in this text that we could talk about. You know, we are so preoccupied with adding things to our lives that we don't often spend time taking things away from our lives. We're so busy trying to survive literally to save ourselves that we often don't realize that we are instead allowing ourselves to be slowly eroded away. And Jesus is not asking that we give all of ourselves and our resources away. Jesus is asking that we find ourselves in relationship with God, that we give enough of ourselves away that we can take the time necessary to sit face to face and deal with those things in our lives that are just not leading to life. Again, the ways in which we choose to follow, the ways in which what we choose to give up speaks volumes about who Jesus is for us. Now, you gave me a great question, so I'm going to finish <laughs> by giving you a great question. 
how do we know, right? How do we know if we have given enough of ourselves away? Part of me that wished I would have asked you an easier question to start off with. Right. Maybe then you would have followed suit. Right. <laughs> it's a good question, though. You can't deny that. It's a it good is question. It's a great question. And, you know, I've never been one to want our faith presented in a superficial way because Jesus isn't superficial, life isn't superficial, and I know that I'm not alone in that. So thank you for the question. Um, it is a very good one. How do we know if we've given enough of ourselves away? Um, in Bible study classes, I will frequently ask the class, what have you sacrificed or given up because you love and follow Jesus? And even that question has people struggling to answer. Um, they sometimes have a hard time, I think, seeing the choices that they've made or decisions that they have or haven't um, gone with or actions that they've taken um, or simply the way that they live as a sacrifice and, a, and an offering to God. And so I suspect that many may answer this question of, have I given enough of myself away with, I don't know that I've given myself away at all. And so I'm wondering if there might be a way that we can think about that a little bit differently to consider the ways that we live um, as sacrifices to God. And so perhaps um, answering that question with asking more questions might be helpful. A litmus test, if you will. And we can use this litmus test to answer just about any faith question, things like, Am I praying enough? Uh, have I given enough? Have I studied enough? Have I struggled enough? Have I served enough? Have I given enough of myself away? And so what this test does is it answers our questions with more questions, which we all know Jesus was um, quite fond of. So it, it, it feels like we've got some basis in leading in that way. Uh, but it would look something like this. Say you're struggling with um, something like, am I praying enough? And you want to know the answer. The litmus test would then ask, ask you questions like, well, am I more loving? Am I more caring? Am I more understanding? More patient, more compassionate, more co forgiving? In other words, am I more like how I understand Jesus to be? And if the answer is no, then the invitation becomes, okay, well, what do I need to do in my life in order to open myself up more to a deeper relationship with God? Perhaps it's through prayer or serving or giving or caring or leading. And perhaps it's going to be a combination of these things because we know that God works through all of these avenues in our lives. And then if the answer is yes, then you're, I know that the person's probably already living this wild and wonderful journey as a disciple of Christ, one that's filled with unexpected surprises and new revelations and just a heart that's been broken over, open for the world, just like Jesus. You know, and it's, it's a question that I think that it's, it's okay for us to struggle with. I mean, back to the hum, human, divine, 
you know, we believe in both. Um, you know, but how much, how much of our lives reflect that? How much of our lives reflect who Jesus is for us, the Jesus that we profess, um, and, and how much is enough uh, for us to give away? All good questions for us to struggle with. So. Yeah, and I, I hope that all of you continue the conversation at homes with your friends. Um, in Bible study, we have Friday, or not Friday, Wednesday morning uh, Bible study where we wrestle with the upcoming uh, scripture each week uh, that's going to be in the worship service. So you all are invited to uh, participate in any of those ways. But the, the whole point of a sermon is to start a conversation. And so I hope that, um, I hope our congregation continues the conversation as they wrestle with these things. Well, one of the ways that uh, we have to give of ourselves uh, to God is through our financial gifts. And so as our ushers prepare to come forward and we, we bless our gifts to, together, uh, know that your financial gifts go to support the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church, all of the things that we do as uh, we live as sacrificial disciples of Jesus Christ, who are here to uh, not only transform ourselves, but transform the world. I'd invite you to rise as we sing our doxology and bless our gifts. as a sacrifice to you. We offer these gifts back to you so that you may use them to spread your love through this community. Bless them, multiply them, and for all who come to receive them, know of your great love and life in their lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. Amen.
Now may the love and grace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ. May the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be among us this day and remain with us forever. Amen.